always tell people the most important work you could possibly be doing is right now in this moment. Don't think ahead. If you're birthing a business, like the business is going to be what it's going to be. That like, let's just let that go. And it's going to change and morph. Just like your kid's going to be who they're going to be. Like you think you know who your kids, you know what I mean? They're going to be what they're going to be, right? And sometimes all you can do is hold space for that. For some of the most pivotal years of my life, tears were tucked back and hidden behind a masquerade of being tough. Being a warrior, someone who could hustle, work hard, and get things done. But it wasn't until I started to get more in tune with who I really am that things took off in my business. Welcome to I Might Cry, a podcast exploring how heart, mind, body, and spirit are all deeply woven into the way we do business. With guest interviews from experts in business strategy, therapy, emotional intelligence, the human body, and so much more. I'm your host, Elizabeth Marks of Almond Leaf Studios. I've been capturing luxury weddings around the globe for decades and now have the privilege of educating others on how to build and grow profitable business doing what they love. I'm on a journey of self-discovery, of becoming more of the uniquely beautiful, messy, and complex human that I was created to be. And I want to invite you to do the same. Join me on this adventure of uncovering the walls we've built that keep us stuck in patterns of limitation so that we can journey into living life with arms and hearts wide open. Let's venture into this together. Uh, I'm so excited to have you on today, Kema. For those of you listening, Kema is the very first doula that I've ever had really any relationship with and was a huge part of like walking me through the birthing process with our daughter. And she wasn't able to be there physically with the second, but sent somebody that she trusted as well, which I know was a whole nother story we could get into. But she is... Just the kind of human, David and I talk about you all the time, Kema, that you're the kind of human that like, you just want to be around. Like you're just magnetic. And the way you see the world, the way you see life is just so compelling that you have this like fresh vision, this fresh perspective and insight and just honoring the bigness of both ends of the spectrum of like the highest of highs and the lowest of lows and never squashing or squelching either end of the spectrum, but fully honoring and embracing and welcoming the fullness of that. And so I thought it would be really interesting to invite you on and just have a conversation, just kind of like allowing people to hear and share your perspective, but also in just like what you have been through to witness and be a part of welcoming life I know also a part of that is also being around death. Mm -hmm. And just to kind of begin the conversation around just the human experience of life and death and like welcoming that being a part of this like sacred moment. And then also how that translates into the way that we move and operate in the world, whether that's in business, in parenting, in whatever. So with that very rambly long introduction, Kema, tell us a little more of who you are and what you do. Wow. Yeah. I was just like, wow, that person sounds so cool. <laughs> you are. <laughs> I know. Thank you so much for such a beautiful introduction. Gosh. Yeah. So my name is Kama Wydock. My pronouns are she, her. I live in Western North Carolina, a little bit North of Asheville. If people know where Asheville is, that's where you live, Elizabeth. 
And I live on a farm. And of all the things that I heard you say in hopes to connect with and talk about today, I always like to lead with that's who I am first and foremost. I did not receive any quote unquote formal education. I don't have a university degree or anything like that. When I graduated high school, like by the skin of my teeth, by the way, you know what I mean? Like it just wasn't for me. That type of standardized formal education was a real big struggle for me. So as soon as I was able to get out, I immediately started working on farms. I don't know why. No, farming doesn't run in my family. I'm originally from West Virginia, but we didn't farm. Like we might've grew a tomato plant or something, but I just knew I needed to like tend living things. Mm. And that's what I did. And I did it for years and years and years and have a farm in 2003, you know, bought a farm here, blessed and privileged, right? To have some land here in Western North Carolina. And that really, truly has informed my human care work. I think if we can really look to nature and to see how nature organizes itself, how nature is not about rugged individualism, right? It's about this interdependence for plants and animals to grow and thrive and go through their life cycles, right? It takes so many pieces coming together for that that it really, truly set the foundation to how we organize as humans and how we parent, look to nature. It's called mimicry. Like how can we mimic what's happening in the natural world and kind of take that in within our care work? And that's what I am. I'm a care worker and specifically now I'm a human care worker. That's what doula work is. So I'm a birth doula, I'm a postpartum doula, I'm a NICU doula, a loss doula, an abortion doula. Like that's that full spectrum of reproductive justice, like with that intersectional lens, right? So we can talk more about that and what does intersectionality mean and my anti-racism, anti-white supremacy, like and how do we take all of that and look at nature And come back to here and how do we support our communities having a shared definition of health? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm really, really passionate about. So I'll take a quick story here. When you say, you know, how does that work? You know, with birth comes death and with gratefulness can come grief. Mm. And that's what I've been thinking about the past few days. And I don't know whether you saw my most recent social media post. About on Instagram, tree. but yes, we had yeah. that huge storm that rolled through. I have, for those of you who don't know, I have probably a hundred year old Carolina hemlock tree, which first off, if you don't know about Carolina hemlocks, they're in decline serious decline in Western North Carolina. They have the woolly adelgid that has come in, an invasive predator. So they're dying left and right. So soon to potentially be extinct unless we can like get a grapple on it. So I have one, a huge one, a historical one in my front yard. It's been the cornerstone of my like life. Like it raised my children, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, all these things. And it blew down in the storm. And this tree is, I don't know, 70 feet tall. I'm looking at it right now in my front yard. Like it's like huge. It's still down. And it didn't fall on my house. I mean, I could throw a rock and hit it. It could have taken my whole house out. It fell so beautiful. Didn't even take down a power line. This tree is massive. It had multiple spikes. And there was a moment, and I don't know whether you heard my video. I wailed. Oh, I wailed when I saw it. 
like if anyone's listening to this, I really do encourage you to find that post for me. I'm sure, you know, Elizabeth, you'll give them like how to find me. Yeah. But that grief, Hmm. it was so interesting because it's the same wail that I hear when someone loses a baby, Hmm. right? It's that same, it's just that deep grief loss. And I'm curious with this about you too, like your second birth experience, that deep grief, because your birth was unexpected. It was so different. I wasn't Mm -hmm. there. It unfolded differently than we thought, right? And simultaneously, there's so much gratitude. Mm -hmm. Like I was so grateful the thing didn't fall in my house. Mm -hmm. You were so grateful. You were holding your sweet baby boy. You know what I mean? And it's that rub that I am really sitting with. Like how do we as humans and as a community really be able to hold space for those both and narratives. Yeah. That you can both be grateful that you have a baby and grieving the process. <laughs> you know, I was grateful the tree didn't fall in my house and I was grieving the loss of like a best friend. We took that post. We actually were talking about it last night after the kids were in bed. Because I said something about like, did you see Kama's post? And David actually had it, which is funny because usually he's the one that like informs me about anything happening in the world <laughs> because he's on social media more than I am. But I happened to see that post and and I said, I just love her perspective. I'm so excited to talk to her because she's talking about grieving a living thing that is not a human, which is a whole nother level. I mean, we could go down a whole rabbit trail here with that. But what happened with our conversation, I was like, it's just so beautiful. I love like the way that you're, you know, being intentional to like like honor what you're feeling about this tree. And a lot of people would be like, it's just a tree, get over it, you know, but it's not, it's not just a tree. And what happened for us is that he was like, I was actually just thinking about that. He was like, the other day I was walking around the yard and we have this, I'm looking at it now. We have this big old, I mean, hundred plus year old tree that like shades the entire backyard of our yard. And our kids have swung from it since they were newborns. Like we've hung different swings on it. We now have a swing that we can swing on it. We've sat under it. We had like porch furniture. Like it has hosted so much space and held so much space for it. As so we started to imagine and all of the grief and all that maybe has transpired for you with that tree, just knowing our own. And man, the weight of that felt really real to us where we were like, if we lost that tree, like it would change everything. And also it could totally destroy our house. Just like you were saying, like, and I'm not even actually afraid of that. It's more of like the loss of the space that was held and to resonate with what you're saying and to mimic that, like, I think, We've learned from you in that. And I think I'm always looking back to nature and from influences like yourself of like, how do we point back to nature? One thing that you said that was resonating with me that I would love to like, let's go down that path a little is just thinking about that both and narrative, you know? And I think, especially with like gratitude and grief, it's such an interesting conversation. And I think that a lot of times I see people, especially in my coaching communities, when they're, it's kind of business focused, but I'm talking like whole personhood experiences in your business because I don't believe that you can separate. Like, I don't want the business version of you showing up. I want you to show up. And then we'll talk about business and we'll deal with business, but you can't show up fully in your business unless we're also talking about what's happening in your personal life or you just had this scary event or you just had like that all has to be a part of the conversation. And what I see happen is people go to such adrenal fatigue because they push themselves so hard when something happens that they don't know how to like slow down and honor the feelings and rest, 
Like rest is such a, such an important part. I didn't know how to do it for a very, very, very long time. Like really, truly learning how to slow down and rest, but that both and of like learning how to slow down and rest and grieve and process and heal and also keep moving things forward in that. Like, how do you take a 10 minute action a day, even though the rest of your day is resting? Like, could you still take 10 minutes every, like, where's that narrative and how do we continue to move things forward with those both and narratives? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, I love the way you're thinking and there's a few different things in your question. So I'm going to try to backtrack a little bit. And the first one is our need to be productive. Mm -hmm. So just like acknowledging that and that our value is not based on our productivity, but yet that's a lot of how we were parented, especially as we got older, we had to do something, be something, become something to be valuable. And a lot of our parents would like, I'm just saying maybe from a generational standpoint, they kind of really pushed their children to really do that, to be, go, like, don't rest, you know, do this sport, do this. I still see it. Like, go, 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 go. As parents, we don't necessarily center rest for our children in the same way. Mm -hmm. And so, and I don't think rest was ever centered for us. Also, it wasn't modeled for us by our parents in the generations before. And I think this has to come back to also of that doing nothing is doing something. Mm. And I think that's really important. And I work with this on like a systems wide. And I I want to be careful too, because we can't blame individual people for not being able to rest because rest is a privilege. And not all of us have the privilege to rest because we don't have support systems in place that allow us to do that. I work with families that are hustling. They got three different jobs. They've got multiple children, two to three children, three different jobs. You always have to roll, get kid here, there, back. You know, some of them are on public transportation. Like when I hear like we all have the same 24 hours, you know what I mean? Like Beyonce only has 24 hours. I was like, oh, okay, no, no, not today. Because yeah, Beyonce only has 24 hours, but Beyonce has a load of support. Support. Yeah. Right. And that's what I'm really curious about. So the self-care is important. The rest is important. 10 minute power nap, or even doing one thing for one hour, that was it. That's your work for the day. If you are really truly centering your self care, that one hour is going to be like five hours, mm-hmm. right? So it's not how much time, it's how effective are you in that time. And, and that's why we're going down to the four day work week. You're watching all of these experiments because we're less productive the longer we work. So how do we make it more effective? And then thinking about rest as the new resistance, I just want to say that it gets a little bit into like that cliche self-care, you know, put your own oxygen mask on first. And yes, that has to happen. Yes, we all need to center individual needs. However, we also, this is the both and, need to be centering community care. Because what happens is that we get into our individualized self-care, 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 but we're forgetting that there's a whole community out there that doesn't have the same access. And what I tell people is that we cannot self-care away. You cannot individually sleep away health inequities. Hmm. It's not going to happen, right? And everybody, you can take this analogy anywhere in your life. 
everybody wants to have the best possible outcomes for themselves, the best possible education possibilities for their children. Everybody wants that. But what I'm curious about is why aren't we, we want what's best for all the children, not Mm -hmm. just our personal children, right? Or our personal bodies. Like I don't want what's just best for my physical body. I want what's best for everybody's body. And that seems to be a rub for people. And so that's why I'm doing this huge experiment in Homegrown. I am really curious, what is our community made of, right? This collective community care model, like, can we come together? Because I also tell people like the institution does not love you. The institution doesn't care about you at all. We are the only people that's got us is us. So, you know, rest and resistance, self-care and community care, right? There's those both ends, grief and gratitude. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where the magic happens is in the rub. Mm-hmm. We need the rub. If we go to either or, we're really compartmentalizing, individualizing, and we're missing the growth. The growth is in the rub. I'm interrupting this episode briefly to invite you to join me for my digital at-home workshop to help you uncover limiting beliefs that hold you back from achieving your dreams. To access it, go to almondleafstudios.com forward slash limiting beliefs. Light a candle, grab a pen, get cozy with the printable workbook and a 40-minute workshop that will help invite you to take a look at the ways that your subconscious beliefs might be hindering the goals you have in your business. Again, go to almondleafstudios.com forward slash limiting beliefs to get your free access today. Now back to the show. That's beautiful. I feel like there's a lot to digest there for sure. One question that's coming to mind for me is like, as we like kind of carrying through that birth analogy, you know, like so much of my experience with you was like you holding, for those of you who don't know, my labor was very long with Jason. I think it was 46 hours and you were basically with me the entire time. I think you disappeared for an hour here or there to like get an hour of sleep and that was it, which I would never put that on anybody ever. <laughs> that was so long. Bad idea. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, I wouldn't recommend that um, to anybody. But I think, you know, just in the birth process, in the birth experience, I think about that experience that I've had, you know, because we all relate back to our own experience. And then just thinking about more of a global perspective of just birth in general. So an individualized and a global perspective. And then thinking about that same analogy, how it carries through with everything. And I've noticed these things happening in my business. And I think it's true for business. I think it's true if it's a creative idea. I think if it's true, if you have this experiment that you're doing, anything that we do, when we have a new idea, when we begin to birth that, we begin to allow it to, you know, take shape. And maybe even before it's birthed into being, like it's kind of marinating and growing and evolving and changing. And then it goes through this birth experience and it's out into the world, there's a lot that happens before a public eye would ever see or know of whatever said thing was, whether that's in my, you know, genius new business idea and I have this grand plan or whether it's, you know, a new friendship or partnership or whatever, like 
there's a lot that marinates internally and a lot that I think we need to go through individually and probably collectively in a birthing it into the world experience. So I would just love to know what are some commonalities? What are some general stages or phases or commonalities that you see in that kind of marinating and then also in the birthing and maybe even postpartum process? Like, it can be specific to birth itself, like actual human birth, or it can be big picture, kind of more ideological, like whatever. Yeah, I can land. take this too. I can make it work. As a business owner myself for the, like, literally all of my career, I only recently got a job, y'all. I was like, wow, a job. This is amazing. And for those of you who don't know, I'm 49 and I have my first job. And it's not like I've been like not working, but I've been a business owner. I own homegrown Mm -hmm. families. I run a very successful company and it's been an amazing experience. It's been amazing. So I can take that because my company is about birth work. So I can just put the two together. Yes. Well, first off, what I always tell pregnant people, I'm like, y'all, you're growing another human's bones inside of you. And I just want to pause right there because I don't know whether people really strip it down and think about it like that. Like from scratch, you are building bones Hmm. and think about that in your business too. build the bones first, like get the bones because the bones in our bodies, like I always have people, I'm like, feel your bones. When's the last time you really checked in with your bones of your body? Because that's like, where the DNA of our ancestors live, like in that marrow, you know? So there is like something very, very important when you're thinking about a business and the gestation of it to be able to lean into resources that really support you in building your bones. I'm thinking about your ancestors and I might get a little woo-woo here with some people, but I just want everyone to imagine whether you're growing a baby or you're growing a business that on the other side of whatever veil is here, right? Where your ancestral line lives, wherever you want to call that place, okay? They're rooting for you. Like what you want, they're like lighting candles on their side. They're saying prayers for you on their side. So, and if you take that, think about your bones, think about, okay, just like you're growing a baby, it's coming from your genetic line, your DNA, you know, is going in there. From there, my next recommendation, and I tell this to all my pregnant people, it's like I'm teaching a childbirth class, take tiny steps. People want to go and you want to take these huge, like big giant steps. And I have this really amazing person. I always used to say this, take tiny steps, take tiny steps. And this person, she's a doula in training. She said, you know what? This is resonating so much. I was on like this big, like week long hike. And she was like, I was losing it. I could not keep going. Like we had more like big hills. I was like, I'm going to have to bail. And one of the people that I was on this backpacking trip with said, hey, you know what? You're taking too big of steps up these hills and it's wearing you out. You need to really cut back and take tiny little steps up the hill because that way you're using your bones not your muscles. You're wearing your muscles out. 
So these tiny steps that you take are actually able then to like utilize your more structured, stable, supported part of yourself, right? So I tell that with my pregnant people, power of the tiny adjustment, just a little change can make so much difference down the line, right? And then I always tell people the most important work you could possibly be doing is right now in this moment. Don't think ahead. If you're birthing a business, like the business is going to be what it's going to be. That like, let's just let that go. And it's going to change and morph. Just like your kid's going to be who they're going to be. Like you think you know who your kids, you know what I mean? They're going to be what they're going to be, right? And sometimes all you can do is hold space for that, Hmm. right? Have support, have structure. Our children thrive in structure. Your business thrives in structure. So just get your structure down, but allow the business to grow into what it wants to be. So then back up, think about your structure first, then start building in the muscles, the flexes, like what's going to get this moving? Because your bones don't really move. It's the muscles that are going to make it move forward. So that's kind of the way I think about it. And then, of course, there's always the analogies of like, okay, it's early labor. What you doing? You know, you're thinking about your launch or whatever, you know, transition. We're like, you know, having imposter syndrome. I don't think I can do it. Like the whole thing, like you're going to go through similar phases. Like just like you were pushing a baby out, you're going to crown. You're going to be like, oh yeah, bring up the labor. <laughs> we're <know>? done. <laughs> and then Make you're going to push this baby out into the world and someone's going to call your baby ugly. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to be like, you know what? It's okay. That's the fear. Like you're going to have to just do it. And the last thing I will say here is that I'm a recovering people pleaser. Not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to like your business and being liked is overrated. Okay. It's overrated. So not everyone's going to like your kid. Not everyone's going to like your baby. Oh, well, (laughs) but you like your baby, right? You love your baby. Like you love your business. You've put your heart into it. So I knew that was going to be good, a good answer, but you blew me away with it. I feel like I need like a day or two to just sit and like process and marinate in that. Let it like sink in. You can just listen to it again. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, I just adore you. And I'm so grateful for your perspective on life. Is there anything else that you feel like is just on your heart or mind that you want to bring to the table, especially with, you know, the podcast is called I Might Cry because, you know, being birthed out of a place of understanding that for so long I suppressed all of my emotions because I was taught there was wrong and there was no space for that. And then really learning that like I am highly emotional. I am very sensitive. I am an empath. I am intuitive. And that is not a burden that I need to carry. But actually, what if I view it as like this blessing, this gift of perspective in the world. So really allowing space for the fullness of a human experience and fullness of emotion to come through in the way that we move in the world, whether that's in business, in life, in relationships, in parenting, in anything. So with that in mind, is there anything else that feels like it wants to? Yeah, gosh, I love that. I love the, what it, say it again. I'm, I I might cry. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) It literally came out of like, I was in a group setting and I just found myself always saying like, I might cry, but I might cry. And then I was like, and somebody jokingly said like, you should just name your podcast. I might cry. And I was like, oh, that's funny. And then now it it actually is. (laughs) That's awesome. So here are two things that come up for me when I hear that is reparenting ourselves, Mm. right? And thinking about this now, one of the things that I ask every parent that comes into my childbirth class is who wants to be an amazing parent? Everybody does. Like there has never been one person be like, yeah, no, 
I'm going to throw my kid under the bus. You know, like everybody wants to do right by their babies. I don't care who they are, where they live, their social, economic, like whatever. Like everybody wants to do right by their children. And in order to really be an amazing parent, all of us need to be reparent ourselves. All of us are wounded. All the systems, our social structures are basically made to generate wounded people. Everyone's parents were wounded. Their parents were wounded. And depending on who you are, depends on how deep and just the wounds are, right? Black, indigenous, people of color, those wounds are deep and wide. White people are just as wounded, but in very different ways. And so really making sure that we're taking a minute and really checking in on our attachment wounds, like, and being able to reparent ourselves, I think is very, very important. And then in that vein, you know, hearing you and I cry all the freaking time, like empaths, like I'm super sensitive, but also really trying not to get that mixed up with people pleasing. Cause that's really big for me. And also that my intention that doesn't always equal my impact and that my intention is good. And I'm a loving, kind, generous, caring human and my impact sometimes doesn't land that way. And I have to own that. And I always tell everybody, let's all learn the art of a good apology, right? We don't need the tears. We just need to be like, ooh, that did not land the way I intended it for. And I see the impact was harmful. And I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And keep it moving. Let's keep it moving, y'all. And I think that's a really important skill to have to your children. Mm-hmm. Apologize to your children. Show them and model them. You are human as parents. We are human as business owners. Make sure that you are modeling the art of a good apology and owning our own behaviors. Like, wow, I didn't mean for it to come out that way. And I'm sorry. I love that. Last night we were pulling Dax away. We have a kind of a shared space in our yard with our neighbors and the two little ones are like within a year of each other. And so they're both getting the phase where like now they're learning mine because they're like just at that phase where like this is my toy, no mine, mine. And they're starting to like be some of that. And so it was time for us to leave. We were on their porch and I was telling Dax, my son, that like we needed to leave the toy for Rivers is his name and we need to leave the toy for Rivers and it's time for us to go. It's time to go in the bath. And he was telling me like, no, this is mine. And I... I, I did not know that it was actually his, <laughs> that oh, he had God. gotten it while I was traveling. <laughs> oh, wow. And so he was like, you know, losing it. Like, he's like, no, it's mine. I don't want to leave it here with Rivers. Like, and so anyway, just be involved to this whole thing. So afterwards, I brought it back up again, where I was like, Dax, I'm so sorry. Like, I did not know that was yours. I'm sure that must have felt so sad. And it's such a simple, small moment. And not to just be over here, like bragging on myself. Like, I did that. I apologize. <laughs> but like... It is. It's a small little moment that I could have totally just been like, oh, oops, and like talk to the adults about it. But something inside in me in that moment, one time that I feel like I do feel proud of, like how I showed up, maybe not always, but where I felt that little nudge of like, no, he needs to hear that from you. Like I need to look him in the eyes and say, buddy, you are right. I'm so sorry. I did not have the full information. I apologize. That must have been frustrating for you. And that sometimes that's all we need to do. You know that even in business too, like relaying it back to business, like there's times like we screw up. Like I've been doing this 17 years. It's not like I haven't had my share of moments or screw, but everything has been perfectly sure. It's like beautiful most of the time now because I have systems. I have created that structure. I have created the bones and now have the muscles and the team and the people that are doing and executing too. 
but we're all human and there's still going to be moments of things happening. And I think that's where, I think not just that's where we get to see the fullness of who we really are or who someone is, but also like, how can you invite support in those moments? Mm -hmm. How can you be supported so that when shit does hit the fan, you're like, oh, cool. Well, I have somebody to lean on because I'm freaking out right now and I'm about to spin out and go make some decisions that probably aren't going to be helpful. So how can I say, hold up, let me pause and find some support in some capacity that feels good to my nervous system to help me feel settled and regulated before I move forward and respond. And then how do we do that as a community for each other? Mm, right? Yeah. How do we make sure that everybody has that access to support because yeah. everybody deserves support. Yeah. Right? And we all need it. Yeah. You find the answer to that. Let me know. <laughs> I will. I'm working on it. It's my life's work. Oh, yeah. you're so good at it too. Well, where can people find you online? Thanks for asking. So my company is Homegrown Families. You can find it online at AshevilleHomegrownFamilies.com, on Instagram at at Homegrown Families, Facebook, the same. Personally, my name is Kayma. You will never, never be able to find it because it's spelled not <laughs> even the way it sounds. So Elizabeth, I don't know whether there's transcripts or links with your podcast, yeah. but you can find me at C-H-A-M-A. So it's spelled like Chama. If you look up my first name and my last name, W-O-Y-D-A-K, you'll find me on Instagram and Facebook also. And that's where I usually put more of my personal writings and philosophical thinking and things like that. And do you offer one-on-one coaching too? Uh, you know, I will. I do. Most of the time it's industry specific. So if yeah. you are, you know, a birth worker, doula, full spectrum doula, anything along those lines. Absolutely. I'm a doula trainer. So I train people in full spectrum work for sure. And yeah, I do some one-on-one also. Awesome. And we'll have all those linked in the show notes too. For anybody listening, you can always pull those up. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I just so appreciate you and the way you move throughout the world. It's inspiring for all of us. Yay. Thank you, Elizabeth. It was an honor to be here with you today. If you enjoyed this podcast today, do us a favor and hit subscribe and then leave us a review. If you're looking for more, you can find us at almondleafstudios.com or on Instagram at almondleaf. Remember, you are enough. You are love, you are light, and you are worthy simply because you exist.